Um, the reading today is from Exodus 3. It's in two parts. That's 1 to 6, and then we're going to skip down to 13 to 17. And I am reading from the NIV. Moses and the burning bush. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, belonging to his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the far side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. So Moses thought, I will go over and see this strange sight and why the bush does not burn up. When the Lord saw that he'd gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses. And Moses replied, here I am. Do not come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals for the place where you are standing is holy ground. Then he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. At this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. And then if we skip down to 13. Moses said to God, suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask me, well, what is his name? Then what should I tell them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, say to the Israelites, the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever, the name you shall call me from generation to generation. Go assemble the elders of Israel and say to them, the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob has appeared to me and said, I've watched over you and I have seen what has been done to you in Egypt and I have promised to bring you out of your misery in Egypt into the land of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites and the Jebusites, a land flowing with milk and honey. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks, Leanne, for doing that. It's really helpful. Um, I thought I'd chopped it around a bit so there weren't only so many long and difficult names in it, but I'd obviously uh, left that bit in for you by mistake. So well done. You managed all the names perfectly. Um, <clears throat> this is a great story. I mean, it's a great Sunday school story. I mean, I, I, I had the privilege of going to Sunday school, and you get a, a sheet with Moses stood in front of the bush, and it's a black and white, and you have to color it in, and half the pens don't work because someone else has left the lids off and all that sort of stuff. Do you remember? You've obviously been there. But it's a story that has more than a story. It's, it's there to teach us something about God. And then as we learn something about God, we take that forward into the rest of the life. So Moses here with the people of God is at a pivotal point of what's going to happen next. In summary, in, ver in chapter 2, Israel cries out to God for help. And then in verse, uh, it's chapter 3 that we've just read, God has a plan and gives Moses a visitation. Uh, Moses argues with God. God declares his name. Moses argues with God again. And then in chapter 4, uh, Moses allows um, 
Uh, God allows Moses to take his brother with him to help him out. Uh, if you want to have a lesson on how to learn, argue with God, then chapter 4 is a really good place to start. I don't know about you, but, but moments like this, like what happened to, to Moses, are pivotal moments because they anchor us and then we can take that experience forward in life. And I want to start by asking you a question. Is, is when it gets difficult, when your Christian life gets difficult, when life gets difficult, what things, what stories, what experiences that you had do you hold on to that then give you faith for the future? I can't give up because... And it might be an experience when you were younger. It might be uh, a moment. It might be something a friend said to you. It might be just a time on your own when God met with you. I've sometimes wanted to walk away from faith, but I would have to explain away more things. It would create more problems if I did that because there are just some things in life that I can only explain by God doing it. As a young Christian... I used to think, I used to, I used to go to work and talk to people about Jesus. I was a really annoying person to work with. And then they would come back with some questions, and I thought, oh, I haven't thought about those. So I would go back to my youth leader and said, oh, what about this? And he would explain some uh, reasons for faith and all that sort of stuff. And then I would go back and talk to them again. And I would go backwards and forwards a little bit. And so as a young Christian... What sustained me was Graham, my youth leader, he believes this stuff. He's an intelligent chap. There must be something in it. And that's what sustained me as a young Christian. I'll talk about an experience I had later on that that now continues to sustain me as a slightly older Christian. But God, in that moment of Moses. So Moses is coming out of being prince of Egypt, if you've watched the cartoon film, out of a situation where he committed manslaughter and then had to run away. I can't remember whether it was, I was meant to read it. I can't remember whether it was manslaughter or murder. Anyway, serious mishap. And he then ran away and became a shepherd. And now at 80 years old-ish, God catches up with him again and says, I have a plan for my people and it involves you. And so Moses has this experience of God where God declares to him his name. I am who I am. If you get stuck, Moses, what you need to say is, I am who I am. That refines down to the New Testament, talks about Jesus being king of kings and lord of lords, the boss, the supreme over all things. Because Moses was going to go into a situation back into Egypt where he was going to tackle and take on the magicians and the seers and the principalities and powers that were involved in that thing. He wasn't going to go with a good intention and a hope and his fingers crossed. He was going to go back there in the name of I am who I am, which is God's name. Another question for you. What are you praying for at the moment? Maybe you're praying for world situations. Maybe you're praying for the direction of St. John's over the next year with staff changes and illnesses and all that sort of stuff. Maybe it's work, maybe it's school, maybe it's family. And the question is, 
is God big enough to deal with the situations that comes across? That's what strikes me here with Moses. God gives Moses a little time out, if you like, to explain to him who he is, to explain to Moses that actually I'm bigger. I am who I am. Not they are who they are. I am, says God. King of kings, Lord of lords. I am bigger than the gods of Egypt. You will triumph because God is in that situation. And I find for me that my level of faith that I go into a situation to pray about or to think about often depends on my um, ex- my experience in the past. And God gives us. God doesn't just say, okay, Moses, off you go. Go and tackle the Egyptians. He gives him this experience, and he gives him a number of experiences along the way so that Moses goes in faith knowing who God is. And God does that with us. He leads us along. And we have an experience where we, we see answered prayer or we see God at move in some way and the, the thing to do is to take that experience and bank it. God is like this. And then when we come across another situation, we can say, well, in the light of that, what God did in the past, God is likely to do in the future. Where God is faithful in the past, where God has been powerful in the past, God will be in the future. And then when we take on, so when Moses... Moses, in the end, they got chased by the Egyptians. You know the story of the Red Sea. Another great Sunday school story with a colouring in, lots of blue pen. The Egyptians are chasing the Israelites. They're behind them, warriors, chariots, and all that sort of stuff. The people are just flocks and people and a ragtag bunch of guys. In front of them is the Red Sea. And they're there. And God says to Moses, this great bit of advice, be still and see the salvation of your God. So Moses stands on the rock, lifts up the thing. And if I was Moses, at that point, I'd be saying, burning bush, burning bush, burning bush, burning bush. Having had that experience of what God was like, to take that experience into the future. And I sometimes do that when I'm praying. Remember what God has done in the past. Remember the names of people or places where I've seen God move. Well, when we refer in the worship songs back to the resurrection, the God who calmed the storm, the God who defeated hell and sin and death, and we pray in the light of that. Back to Moses in the burning bush, with the burning bush, not in the burning bush, in the desert. He's there in front of this bush that is on fire and not going out. And God says to him, take off your sandals. Because where you're standing is holy ground. God invites Moses to come and stand in front of him as he is. Not pretending to be somebody else. Not the protection of shoes around his feet. And it's almost like God is saying, I know where you've come from. I know what you've done. I know the future as well. Come and stand in front of me as you are. And that's all God invites us to do. We can't impress God with anything we've done because he's greater than we are. He's infinite. And God invites us. 
invites you and me just to come and stand in front of him as we are with our pasts, with our futures and know the holy God and know that God is with us. So Moses stood in front of him as he was and God stood in front of Moses as he was, King of kings and Lord of lords. Let's just, before we, uh, another couple of points to make, but let's for a moment just stand in front of God for ourselves this morning. That God, this is who we are. This is what we've experienced. And you are still King of kings, Lord of lords. Let's just take a moment of quiet. Let me tell you a story. This is one of the stories that sustains me. And when I come to pray, I look back on this story and um, it helps me to pray. So there was a couple, when when I was pastoring the church in Southend, there was a couple in our church called Gordon and Rachel. Gordon was a caretaker of a block of flats. Uh, They had the bottom flats. They had no garden. They had two bedrooms. Uh, and they had two boys, so the boys had to share rooms. One of the boys had special needs, and they were always arguing. And Rachel came to me one day and said, Nick, can you pray with me? I said, yeah, sure. Uh, She said, I'm at the end of my tether. I don't know what to do. The boys are arguing all the time. We're caretakers of the lift, and there's people knocking on the door all the time, and people are winging in the lifts, and they have to go and clear it up. And it's just a a nightmare. I, I can't go on and do it anymore. So... I had no words of wisdom for her. I just said, yeah, I will pray for that. And I did. We prayed together. Six months later, Gordon says, Nick, can you pray for me? I said, yeah, what's, what's going on? And he said, well, we've been running a holiday Bible club, which I knew because I was part of, and it had a pirate theme. And he was clearing up after the holiday Bible club, and he had two life-size plastic swords and he was going back into this tower block. And the kids from around the tower block was teasing his son, as they normally do, with special needs. And that day, Gordon was particularly tired and lost his rag and took these two plastic swords and chased these kids down the road. They reported him. The police turned up and arrested him. And he was now facing a tribunal at work, a disciplinary hearing. And... Um, he was potentially going to lose his job because he was the caretaker of a flat. So it means he was going to lose his house and he, he couldn't see where it was going to go. So again, we prayed together. Um, I went with them to the tribunal while I stayed in the car park and, and prayed with them because I wanted to support them in what they were doing. And in the tribunal, what they said was, Gordon, you're obviously over a lot of stress it's been very difficult for you. We're going to change your job. So you thought, well, that's better than losing it. We're going to make you a mobile caretaker rather than one block of flats. So that means they were going to move out of the flats. And what they did is they, um, they gave them a house 
with three bedrooms, so the boys each having their own room, and they had a garden for the boys to play in. And uh, because it was a different job, it, he was a, almost a promotion, so he got more money, and they gave him a van for him to travel around to the different sites where he was now going to take place. The situation of going from losing his job, losing his house, losing everything, not knowing where he was going to, to a situation where they'd got everything that Rachel had prayed for six months earlier in terms of a garden, an extra bedroom, and being away from the job 24-7. I could only see God turning that round like that. And I banked that. And so when I go for other, um, when I pray for other things, I pray in the light of what God can do and what I've seen God do. And that gives me faith to move in other situations. That God is bigger than Southend Borough Council. He's bigger than uh, all the other situations that we can find ourselves in. Last thing I want to say is that that is why worship is so important. As we worship, we remind ourselves, we declare who God is, that he is over all. That he, I'm not just talking about singing either. In our prayers, in our Bible readings, as we find out new things about God and we worship him in the light of those things, it reinforces them in our own lives. And that gives us faith that God is bigger God is big enough to handle St. John's uh, church. God's big enough to handle school for next week. God's big enough to handle the family situations that we find ourselves in or work situations or whatever it is. And we're invited by God to come and pray and to come and include him. If you would find it helpful to have someone else pray with you after communion, there'll be folks who will be around and happy to pray with you or just grab somebody you know near you and to pray some of these things. That's the, one of the other things I've found is that often it's, it's easier to believe God to do something extraordinary in someone else's situation. Often when you're in that situation yourself, it becomes too closed in, too, you can't see the way out of it. But to pray with somebody else is often a great help. It's easier to have faith for somebody else than have faith for your own situation just a, a practical point so let's just pray and then i'll hand back to kirsty father god thank you that you are god that you are the great i am that you are king of kings and lord of lords and you choose us to be your instruments you choose us to serve you and to see what you want to do in our lives father god thank you that we get to join in with you but it's all your power it's all your experience and so father god we continue to trust in you continue to enjoy a relationship with you and father god we pray your kingdom come and your will be done in this country in this church in our lives in jesus name amen <laughs>